Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Dave. What what podcast are you doing today? And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good things, so Dave's going to do that. Oh, right. Uh, let me see. Uh, it's going to be a good thing on my desk here somewhere. Um, oh, this looks pretty good. This is a Snickers peanut brownie bar. I remember it was pretty delicious. Yeah, Snickers peanut brownie. It's like a Snickers bar, but it's also a brownie inside. It's nice and soft and moist. Yum. That sounds great. Uh, my turn? Yeah. All right. My good thing this week is the movie Riddick, which is the third film in the Pitch Black slash Chronicles of Riddick trilogy. Um, it is basically it took all the good stuff from the first two movies and crammed them together into one movie, which is like 90% of Pitch Black. It just sort of does Pitch Black again. And then also there's Bounty Hunters, because that was a good part of the second movie. So mm-hmm. there it is. That That's my good thing. It's the, cool. the Vin Diesel film Riddick. Uh, Have either of you seen Riddick? Well, nope. I know I saw the first two, and the second one really didn't need to be there. So it I think not. I probably slept on the third one. Well, you should not sleep on the third one because it's much better than the second one. But you may still want to sleep on the third one because it's I... largely a retread of the first one. <laughs> right. Am I going to need to rewatch the others for the third one to make sense? Absolutely not. There's a there's a whole recap segment. Oh, good. I loves me a recap segment. But also, it's not complicated. It's a ve- They're very simple films. And I take it by the awkward silence that it's Tori's turn speaking of simple films so guys i started watching cabinet of curiosities on netflix and it's a good thing it's legit creepy so it's guillermo del toro uh he he i i think he's the producer or something because every episode has a different director um it's sort of twilight zone-esque in that it's an anthology series so every episode is a self-contained story and uh guillermo's at the at the playing the part of rod sterling at the beginning uh, you know saying some creepy stuff and and then it leads into the story and I'm only halfway through um, the the first season, which came out last week. There's eight episodes, so I've watched four of them, and they are legit creepy. Oh my gosh, creepy stuff! If you're if you're looking for a good horror story, like ooh, they're they're really creepy. So um, yeah, highly recommend. Cool, rad. I like Guillermo del Toro, but I haven't seen any of these yet. Yeah, like I said, they dropped last week, so you can be excused. At you, Pan's Labyrinth is real good. Yeah, and uh, Pan's Labyrinth and the Hellboys and um, Pacific Rim; those are all real good Guillermo del Toro movies. Uh, what was the name of? Is it the Orphanage? There's another movie that he did, and I think it's called The Orphanage. I don't recall. I don't remember his full filmography. I haven't actually seen most of it. Because he works a lot in horror, and I'm not a huge horror movie guy. 
I am a uh, watch the horror movie and then have nightmares and regret it later kind of person. Neat. Uh, so, Dave, you want to tell it, us about uh, some some chapters that we can have nightmares about and regret? Yeah, sure. But first, do you know anybody that uses Windows and puts the taskbar like on the top or side of their monitor? Or better yet, like increases it so that it takes more than one line? No. Like that the size of the taskbar and move it around. Like, that, does anyone I, actually do you know anyone that would actually do that? that I sounds think like, I would instantly distrust that person. Yeah, that that sounds like the actions of a serial killer. You should call the FBI on them. Is right. is this you telling us that that's what you do? Are you are you telling on no, yourself right now, Dave? Please don't tell just, us, Dave. I don't I think my heart can take uh, it. Fidgeting a little bit, and I noticed that she could do that. I'm like, why would you do that? I do move my main taskbar around the different monitors depending on what screens I have open. And sometimes I miss and it gets stuck on the side very briefly. Does that make me a serial killer? I didn't know you could move it to different monitors. That yeah, opens that, up that seems some like stuff. no, that seems like forbidden knowledge right there. Like you're gonna summon something from the elder deeps and mm -mm. Well, yeah. sometimes I wanna click on my like volume control tab thing. You know, while I've got a full screen game on my main monitor. Yep. So you can move your main taskbar with your good system tray, which I kind of would rather they just had the full system tray on every monitor, which would make more sense. But whatever. That does seem like the better option, but I don't know how to do that either. I didn't know you could do the other yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. You just click and drag your main taskbar to the monitor where you want it, but don't let it get stuck on the side. Or else people will think you're a serial killer. I think right. I'd have to unstick my taskbar. Or, or, yeah. I think I'd have to unstick stuff first, and I don't want to do that. So, chapters? Let's do chapters. Chapter 14 of, you got this, Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson. Through chapter 16 of uh, Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson. That doesn't sound right. No, I could have sworn it was Warbreaker. It goes was from some... rhythm of war to warbreaker. That makes yeah, because there was some there was some warbreaky stuff in there. Yeah, there was a breath with a capital B. All right, chapter fourteen. Voice. Ahem. What do logic spren have to do with mechanics? I guess we'll find out in the next chapter. All right. Apparently, we... they let you build like a Minecraft computer. I will find out in chapter fifteen what my bullet point says on the matter. And Craig better show up by then. Oh, Dave, your notes aren't up. They're not? Oh, that's right. I left the channel. Yeah, I left the channel because I couldn't hear you. That's Yay, notes. Restart voice meter. Okay. So, that's chapter 14. Any questions? Oops. Wasn't there more chapter in chapter 14? No, there was just an epigraph, which is kind of weird. Why would you call it an epigraph if it's not actually written upon something? It's just itself, standalone. Kind of weird. I agree. Hmm. Oh, well, on the chapter 14 and a half. Leshwe is scared of something, or something. The singers buying cities, kind Colinar. The sit what? The singers built cities like Colinar before. In fact, they probably built Colinar itself. Dan Autocomplete's friend had a heyday on that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Autocomplete's friend went went kind of crazy on you. <laughs> Oh, I'm just need, trying to trap to get them some, into Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. Need to get some logic sprint in there to fix them. <laughs> I think they're the problem. I don't see. There, here's my quick, quick gripe about you know typing on your phone with swipe or whatever it's called, 
or I don't know if that's a brand for anyway. Quick note about that. I wish it would actually try to figure out what word I mean based on where my finger goes rather than just trying to lean into more common words and more common word combinations. Like I'll have times where I'm trying to put in a word where like I'll I'll very slowly go on each letter and stop in the exact center of each letter in progression of the word and I get something completely different. I'm like, why don't you just accept the fact that I know how to type and not try to guess what word you think I probably meant based on like algorithms and stuff? Like, come on. Can I have my swipe lean less into like trying to guess randomly what I mean? No, because that would mean that you know better than your phone and you don't know better than your phone. Your phone knows better than you. All right, chapter 14. Some kind of culinary. Let's just fix these notes here on the fly. Uh, built. All right, so the cities. No, the singers built cities like Colonar before. In fact, they probably built Colonar itself, i.e. via the, uh, you know, the whole slavery thing. It's like, you know, who built the pyramids, right? Was it the Egyptians or the Jews? It Think was aliens. It. Ah, aliens. Gotcha. All right. Uh, some sort of fused oath pact, which turned out not to be the case. So I'm just going to put a big line through this one. Strike out. Whatever. Insert, I'll just insert an emoji reaction. Uh, Smirk looks pretty good. All right. Why is Alethkar called the land of second advance? Why is that? Nobody knows. Especially Good not. Question. Especially not. Uh, who are we in? Who are we with this chapter? What's her name? Eshenai. Benly. Benly. Eshenai's yeah. dead. More like dead Shenai. Heyo. I don't like how this emoji reaction made my thing uncentered. Resolve. Okay. Uh, why? <laughs> Just hey, resolved hey, an emoji. <laughs> hey, folks at home. Uh, to understand what's going on here, you really need to be watching Dave's notes, and the way you do that is you join our Patreon as a patron, and then you join our Discord. And then you can join in on our live calls while we're recording, and you can see Dave's notes as he's showing them to us and what he's doing with them. Because I think without that context, a lot of the last few minutes have been nonsense. So Yeah, that... if you could only see what a hot mess they are. So that's so that's patreon.com slash CosmereCast. Where you can see my hot notes. If you're a patron and lot, but you don't need to be a patron to join our Discord server, and then you get access just by being a free member of our Discord server, you get access to to cool drawings I made, like uh, Sazed in a footsie bunny pajama suit charging up his Electrum mines. You also get access to our Animal Picks channel, where you can see people's cute new doggos, or my cat who has no brain cell, only vibes. Oh. Okay, so Le Alethkar is called the Land of Second Advance, which Leshvi's uh, translator powers give her the ability to understand the literal meaning of the name they gave it, which I forgot I didn't write down. But she doesn't understand why, which is the more interesting question in her opinion. Okay, did so, Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface reach the fourth ideal? Uh, he did not. I know. Someone thinks they did for a second in this chapter, um, and then later on it's revealed that he didn't. The the pursuer super thinks he did, because nobody... <laughs> There's no way he could beat me! <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's literally it, is is just he refuses to believe that that Kaladin could have beaten him. Refuses, you say? Yes. Stormblast OP, 
please nerf. <laughs> so, so yeah, Venley has auto-translate, but not auto-etymologize. Right, so she can see the literal meanings of words, but she doesn't know the uh, colloquialisms. Okay, so that's why Legion is called the Pursuer. Oh, no, he didn't. I think that's in reference to Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface reaching the fourth ideal. You oh, sure no, it's not? Didn't. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> I mean, no, because that's a she in this chapter. You know, the the only he who, who must be named in this chapter is Lesion, and he he did it, it as expected. You know, he's expected to claim revenge on the one that killed him, and yada yada bloody bloody. So it's tradition, and so they kind of they give him they basically let let Lesion screw up their entire game plan just so that he can satisfy his revenge. Yes, at least that's the way Leshwe sees it. No, that that's an accurate assessment. Um, Lesian, 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 the pursuer is Lesian. Yeah, he's uh, he's bad at a lot of things for a lot of reasons. <laughs> I mean, he can't even take down a windrunner that's only on the third ideal. I mean, he's like, well, he's like, he's like, if you loaded up Mario Brothers and you walked into the first Goomba and died, and you're like. What was that? Was that the end boss? Was that King Koopa? You know, he could basically beat, him. He couldn't beat a third ideal windrunner uh, who is so exhausted and looks so bad that literally everyone he comes into contact with is like, "Hey, man, are you are you okay? Do you do you need <laughs> do you need to sit down?" To be fair, that first Goomba has killed more people than probably any other mob in the history of gaming. Yeah. There's also that oil guy from Donkey Kong. All right. No, no, he didn't. All right. Confirmed, Leshby really likes at least one Windrunner. Raboniel, Lady of Wishes. Storm Uncle is dead? Erythru is a Deadeye. Vire shows up. Venli works for the other lady now. So there's Venli, and she it, her job is to be the voice of... Fleshry. So, all right. So, here's basically her job, and they're all actually talking and speaking for themselves. And in fact, at one point, I think Leshry actually does speak up without the use of her voice, Venly. But their their job is basically to like go ahem <laughs> on behalf of the fuse that they work for. Well, in <laughs> in this meeting, yes, when um, Leshry is meeting with like lesser singers. Then, then Venley's job is to translate hums and coughs and body language, whatever, into actual orders. Oh, like the orders of the Knights Radiant. Exactly. Or when you want a hamburger at a place. Ah, I see. Yeah, so we get to see Legion here, and we talked about how, you know, he wasn't able to defeat Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface, and he got... Uh, He's like, oh, he must have reached. Yeah, we did. All, we we talked about that. And then Venley's like, I don't think this is the guy that Leshby was scared of. And then in comes Rebonio, Lady of Wishes, and basically, uh, she almost never gets up from her nap between, you know, during desolations or what do they call them, reawakenings or something? What do they call the? What do the singers call the desolation? They have different words for everything, which makes sense. We'll just call them desolations. So she actually 
you know, Raboniel actually woke up this time. And she has this grand plan to, to she says that we need to take out Erythru before the uh, Radiants learn to use their powers better. And I forget who it is that mentions that the Alethi are actually more advanced in technology, which is something that the singers aren't used to having to put up with. Because if you remember, you have the, the Fused, and they're basically immortal. So they retain all of the knowledge, and so they wipe out the short-lived human people, and then those people, they kind of have to like start from scratch at each desolation from a technological standpoint. Maybe not a, like complete scratch, but you know they get set back a long way at each desolation. But uh, because Talon held out for, what was it, 4,500 years, the humans actually had opportunity to grow technologically and have more advancements than the fused do at this point however the fused have the advantage of knowing their powers better so rubonial says hey we need to take out erythru before the radiance reach the higher ideals and no kaladin did not reach the fourth ideal lesion's just really bad so and, and kaladin's real good so would you say yeah. that the humans get knocked down but they get up again and you're never going to keep them down? I don't know if I'm never going to keep them down. That sounds more like the Fuse than human. Oh, we also, in this chapter, uh, get some very important exposition about how the um, desolations actually function. So basically, until a um, herald gets killed, the Fused can just keep coming back indefinitely without an Everstorm. This time they have an Everstorm which should theoretically allow them to keep coming back, even if a herald is killed, because that wait. happened. Wait, wait, wait. Say, say what you just said again, because I think you got it confused. Okay. In old desolations, yes, the fused can just keep coming back indefinitely until a herald is killed, which restarts the Oath Pact. Traditionally, okay, yes, the rest yes. of the heralds that weren't killed voluntarily went back at that point. But as we found out from Talon, you don't have to. You just need one. But now, um, because there's an Everstorm, it doesn't matter if a Herald is killed or not. As we've seen because, you know, uh, Yezrian got killed. But I thought Yezrian got killed. Yeah, he did. That guy too. <laughs> yep, that's his name. Yeah, uh, Moash killed Yezrian and then Vire killed Yezereza. <laughs> uh, Yezereza. Is it Yezereza? Not Yezereza? It's probably the huh. way you're pronouncing it. Just Interesting. Yeah. I mean, he probably has both names. Yes, for short. Okay, so, all right. Raboniel mentions the sibling and says that the sibling is dead. When did is, the story... I, th I think the exact wording, or, well, I don't know the exact wording, but it was, like, nearly a dead eye. Basically much, a dead eye. Yeah, basically a dead eye is what they say. So she says that Erythru is basically a dead eye, which I took to mean it was really good at aiming. <laughs> I... <laughs> Oh wait, that's the swords are dead. Oh, swords are dead. That yes, term, that term's been established because of uh, Maya. Maya, Maya. Yeah. Oh, okay. So basically, Erythru is actually Storm Uncle, and it has has like just like a real life uncle has just been sitting on the couch idle for so long and gotten <laughs> so fat that he may as well be. <laughs> <laughs> he may as well Basically not have a function. Canon. <laughs> so, 
So uh, first of all, I she seems to be talking about the sibling and Erythru itself as the same entity. Uh, and yeah, they sure... are in a lot of ways they're they're functionally interchangeable. Now that's not uh, the goopy the goopy goop that Shalon killed. That was that was an unmade. That's the midnight mother. A midnight which mother is an unmade. Yes, is she at that eye? Who is not the tower? Was just hanging out by the by the crystal or by the gemstone structure thing. Oh, uh, so she's like the uh, the parasite leeching like the, on the storm the lady, uncle. The lady that mooches off the uncle and like keeps keeps telling him that you know uh, I'm I'm gonna get my life together. Just buy me one more box of wine and gallon of cigarettes. And yes, then I'll exactly get a job. That. And then, like the uncle, the like the mom and dad are like, "Hey, man, you gotta, you gotta dump that girl. She's no good for you. She's bringing you down." But then, like the uncle is just like too focused on watching TV and playing video games that he doesn't. <laughs> Wait, are we talking about a book? <laughs> oh, all right. Okay, I get it. What's the Midnight Mother's name? That's not Sia. Sia, that's the mirror one, right? Yes. The Midnight Mother was Ray Shafir. Ray Shafir, right. Ray Shafir. Okay. Reshaper. Okay. Is is Ray Shafir dead? Did we body? No, no. Shalon chased it off. Okay. And the thrill is stuck inside an orb that we later find is at the bottom of the ocean. Yep. Perfectly safe there. Will never pop up again. Man, there's going to be some angry caterpillars and whales in the bottom of the sea. That's where Subnautica comes from. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's a separate... Hang on a second. I don't Are know. Are you saying I don't Subnautica's know in, the, in the Cosmere? I, I don't know. I have to play Subnautica first. So I was... All right. Uh, oh, I side note, I would scene. totally watch you play Subnautica, so please uh, post it if you do. Side, side note. I would totally watch you play Return of the Oberdin. I think you'd really enjoy it. You should try it out. Yeah, I think you would like it too, Dave. Neat. It seems All like right. a very Dave game to me. All right, so Rabonio's like, Storm Uncle's so lazy. We could probably just walk right in there and kill all, all the humans. And then, you know, Venli, Venli notices that uh, Leshri has strategically placed herself not too high on on the uh, hierarchy so that she can has a little bit of freedom, I guess you could say. And then Venli notices that uh, Leshri... Maybe she doesn't notice. Maybe Leshri just straight up kind of defies Rabonial. And then Venli's like, uh, Hey, Leshri, you think like uh, I could get the listeners back together? <laughs> and Leshri's like, Shut up! <laughs> and yeah, so now Venli works for crazy... Rebonial, let's go euthanasia genocide. Oh, we also not, not yeah. euthanasia. Not euthanasia. We Genoc also in this in this chapter find out Leshwi's ultimate goal for winning the war, which is kill all humans, and then the fused just go away and stop showing up. Yeah, that's what Leshwi <laughs> tries to tell Venley. Which but... I'm I'm gonna call unlikely for most of the fused. Right, but I don't. I'm not. I don't believe that Leshri actually thinks that's the case. I think I that thought, she I thought they actually book. said that. Like these people. Yes, yeah, so Leshri says that, but yeah. she also has to 
This was a very bad timing for Venley to bring up her plan to Leshri. Also, like, yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's why, like, Leshri doesn't, like, straight up reprimand her and, like, punish her. But she's also just like, come on, girl. We're, they're like, the other fused are right there. Why would you say this right now? And that's the end of chapter 14. So this is a good chapter with a lot of stuff. And Craig, what's your good thing? Uh, my good thing this week, uh, I need to post it in the channel. But guess what, guys? It's the time of year where Jelly's Marbles Runs is back. Oh, yay! Um, so that's pretty cool. It just popped up on YouTube feed. I'm a little bit annoyed at YouTube because it's I'm actually like two or three weeks behind. But yeah, Jelly's Marble Runs. If you guys don't know, I've, I've talked about it in the past. But it's marbles playing Olympic-type games. They're marbles, but it's fun. There's teams. You can root for whichever one is your favorite for whatever reason. My team of choice is the Midnight Wisps. They're pretty cool because they're like black with some streaks of blue in it. So, uh, yeah, they're the team I root for. Oh, they're hyper blue. The theoretical color. No. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, very entertaining. Uh, it, it actually it became big during the 2020 year um, just because there was no other sports. But I've been watching them since like 2017 or so. So Didn't they, they are put really them on good. ESPN? The, yes. I think they were. Yes, they did. that happened. Yeah. Uh, honestly, and... double shout outs to the, to the other good thing. The commentator, Greg Woods, like he's the one who really makes it. He does such a great job at commentating commentating the races to make it seem like um it's real competitors and plus i love the little scenes that happen where like a, a fan will run out onto the arena or whatever and quote unquote streak or something like that and and security has to you know take care of that it's fun when stuff happens it's fun there's stories and stuff um some of the teams have stories too like like this year uh, i forget which team but one of the coaches got replaced by a different coach like these are marbles, guys. Like, what the heck? Anyway, a lot of fun. I posted the the qualifier match and the good things for, for this year. I, I do recommend it. Well, and, I know what I'm doing when we get out of here. And if you're curious, this was also Craig's good thing like two years and four-ish months ago. Yeah. It, it when, when there's a new league match, uh, it's my good thing. Hey, guys, if you watch, what is your team to root for? I am partial to the crazy cat's eyes. Same. Uh, right. Team Orange, the Orange Rangers. Oh, yeah. yeah. I do not like them based on their cheer alone. <laughs> All right. So, how about an annotation? You guys ready for an annotation? I am ready. Chapter an, an, fourteen. An annotation. One of the themes of some of my unpublished books was the nature of immortality. I've always been fascinated by the idea and some of its implications. I think about how shadowy in my mind events of some ten years ago are, and I wonder what would happen if we lived centuries instead of decades in lifespan. How would we adapt? How would our physical apparatus, like our brains, adapt to something like that? Like a car built to drive 200,000 miles instead being kept going for many times that. As an aside, one of the more fun stories I've, been de I've read dealing with this idea is the excellent 17776 which you really have to experience, since it defies explanation. I enjoyed writing this chapter, and many in this book, as the series is finally in a place where I can start delving into the personalities and attitudes of the Fused. I can't say a whole lot more about that yet, but suffice it to say that I'm excited for you to get the whole book. So, side note, I have <clears throat> also read 17776, 
I recommend it. It it's a trip. Uh, and it, I, th- I think it's written on a it's it's written on like a sports website, Action. but it's it's not. I mean, it is, but it's weird. You you gotta read it. There is a link in the in this um annotation to it. So I mean, I guess I could post it in Good Thing. It's weird because talking about memory and how we forget stuff. Like I know I read that story in the link from the annotations two years ago when the annotations came out, but. I have no memory of this story. Like, I know I read it back then. Yeah, I would be a terrible immortal. No, that actually is a good thing then, because you forget things so you can experience them again. That actually works in your favor. All right, let's move on to chapter 15, which is one of my favorites of this whole book. Hey, Mike, I wonder why. I don't actually wonder why. I know why. Uh. Uh, okay, so in the annotations of chapter 15, we learn something very important, and that is that logic spren are redstone. Yeah. Like from Minecraft. They can straight up make some circuits. They don't know their circuits, but we can make some logic gates. Yeah, they can, they have their bits. Anytime there's bits, you can make bytes. And if you have bytes and you get a lot of them, you can have a megabyte, which sounds like a really good sandwich. So all you need Hi. is a consistent yes-no response to stimuli, stimuli rather, uh, and then also having a clock helps. So that's computer. That's that's if, how computer if, do. If you want a processor, um, yes, it helps to have a clock element. All right. So chapter fifteen. Blah blah blah. Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface needs to find new purpose, so he is going against his better judgment. <laughs> Bright Lord Marshal High Mar- wait oh Master Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface I yeah like that's it. the new name that Adolin gave him like Kaladin has so many names now that he may as well just be a herald already Dreamy Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface Gagadin <laughs> yep all right Zahel AFK why did the Parshendi listeners Kaladin want gem hearts. Relaine doesn't want your pity, Spren. Laundry fight! Oh, I've seen this scarf trick before. <laughs> Zale won't hold his breaths waiting for Azure. Gray scarf. Zahil is a type 2 invested entity. And he said a not nice but probably true thing about wit. So Seth is a returned? How invested was Kelsier when he died? Type 2s need a breath every week to stay alive, if I recall. How did Blushweaver die? Maybe she wasn't as strong as the Fused. We need a weapon that unravels the soul. I can think of at least one. Type 2s are Spren masquerading as people. Like Lysian, the Pursuit Spren. She takes their memories. Endowment, I guess? Alright, Craig, take it. Alright, um, I do have some things I want to talk about based on your bullet points. But in this scene, we have Bright Lord Master High Marshal Stormface going to talk to the Ardents, uh, specifically Zahel, because he likes Zahel. Um, he feels like the others would, would be a little too... Nate, I gotta what? I gotta correction that. He doesn't like Zahel. Nobody likes Zahel. <laughs> Zahel, likes... Zahel cultivates an air of unlikability, but he trusts that Zahel won't lie to him to make him feel better. Yes, correct. Okay, yeah, I, I should correct... He knows he's going to get an honest answer from Zahel, so he wants to go talk to him. 
Um, so was he thinking to himself, I think, at this point about why the listeners wanted gem hearts? Because they don't really use them yeah. the way that the, the humans are using them. So at this point, he's actually walking around Arethur. They're looking at the farmland and they're seeing what they're doing with the with the gem hearts. They're actually able to use that to, to grow crop by transferring uh, moisture and and actually singing a little bit of a song to, to make them, well, playing a song, not really singing a song, but playing a song to help Lifespring sort of pop up and, I guess, allow the crops to grow. So they're using it for that, but it's really weird that the listeners wanted them. So it's a question that Kaladin has. Um, so he, he goes up to Relaine. So, so, okay, yeah, he sees Relaine. He goes up to him and says, hey, I found you a sprint. Uh, I gave him an ultimatum. Don't worry about it. I basically said it's you or or nobody. And Relaine's like, okay, thanks, uh, but no thanks. I, I think that's that's pretty clear because especially when you're bonding a friend, you want someone who actually chooses you for who you are and not because they're forced to do so. Kaladin so. explained this in the worst way possible. Absolutely. That's, that's not how it went down. The way he says it is not how it went down. He's like, hey, before, like, you, no pressure here, but... Consider Relaine before you consider anybody else. That's it. Um, That's all the pressure there was. Hold on a second. I have a question, though, because I'm I'm hazy on the details since it's been a while. But did that conversation happen like 10 days ago or did that actually happen that morning? Because when I read that scene, I'm like, wait, is that something that happened before? And maybe he had another talk with the the sprint. Ten says, days ago, it was the same day he got fired, and this is okay, ten yeah, days yeah. later when he had, when he's like when they this is after like the official meeting where Dalinar uh, removes. He didn't fire him. He put him on paid leave. So so Calvin had another conversation. Calvin probably had another conversation with the sprint this morning and gave him the ultimatum. It might have went down how Calvin said. But we don't see it on screen, and we do see this other th- other thing on screen. Anyway, correct. So Kaladin has spent the last ten days a arranging Windrunner stuff in his absence, and then b sulking. Yeah, that's about right. Rather than meeting with Relaine and be like, "Hey, I I talked to a friend. He's going to consider you before he considers other people. No pressure either way." You know he that just... would have been the smart thing to do. I think he just phrased it so poorly. The whole time this is happening, we're like, oh, stop talking, Kaladin. Stop. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway, Relaine says no, because I think that makes sense, especially with how Kaladin phrased it. So, uh, I mean, at, the, at that point, Kaladin, there's nothing he can do. He just walks away and like he I think he realizes he handled it poorly, but he doesn't quite understand that maybe he needs to listen. I, I think he walks away thinking he needs to actually step up and listen to what Relaine is trying to say. Um, but you know, Relaine is the listener. Yeah, true that. So he finally finds Zahel. He's putting up some colorful scarves and stuff. He's doing some laundry, and Calden's like, "Hey, I want to be an ardent." And Zahel's like, "No, you don't." And... <laughs> no, Zahel's like, <laughs> "Oh, wait, you're serious." <laughs> so they're like, "Okay, fight me. Let's fight." Uh, and Calden's not allowed to use any wind running abilities. That that was the rule. The one rule that they had. And so then they fight. Cheater. And then there's scarves being thrown around, and somehow they're more rigid and stronger than, you know, a scarf can be. And they're losing their color, which is, huh, that's weird. They're like human-shaped. Craig, you sound like you've just never done laundry before. This is normal. 
All right. <laughs> they, oh, I do all the laundry, man. It doesn't lose color over time. Anyway, so yeah, uh, as, as spoilers, uh, Zay Hill's Vasher, and yeah, he's he's doing Awakening. So there oh, you go. He's an ardent. He's bald. So how does he change his hair color? Doesn't that's Vivena? Yeah, Vasher probably could too if he wanted. Probably could, but he doesn't. He's bald. Wait, he maybe could change his beard. Maybe Vasher's not. Uh, he's not really bald. It's a yeah, because he can awakening. change his entire appearance at will. That's the thing that's established. Yeah. All right. So, so the so, trick, you know, you want to go bald so that people don't grab your hair while you fight, but they won't know that you have hair to grab, so they won't try. So they fight, and Calden loses, and Vasher. Oh, sorry, Zahel's like you. You don't want to be an ardent. You like fighting. Like he he likes the challenge and the competition and he can't he can't avoid it so he'll he'll just be miserable trying to be an ardent so zahel recommends not jokes on you zahel kaladin's gonna be miserable no matter what you let him do haha yeah but so they have a a conversation and we get a little bit of cosmere conversation out of this so zahel mentions that he is a type 2 invested entity and Lucky for you guys, I pulled up what the different biochromatic entities are, according to Vasher. So did so, I. Oh, well, okay. Type one. So this is as of Warbreaker, and I'm gonna I'm gonna explain how it has changed. Type one, according to Warbreaker, it's a spontaneous sentient biochromatic manifestation in a deceased host. So you get investiture inside a dead body. That's the returned. That was a type one originally. Type two were lifeless. They're a mindless manifestation in a diseased host. So you're essentially controlling a dead body. So that that is the lifeless. So that's what type 1 and type 2 are. Now, it has changed because Zahel realized that sprint and returned are a little bit different. Uh, specifically, that spontaneous part that I read, uh, which are type 1. So type 1s are still spontaneous, sentient biochromatic manifestation. But those are sprint. Those are the ones that are just pieces of divinity. Uh, well, splinters of shards, uh, if you will. And and also seons and skays. Right. So any type of heavily invested entity that exists in the cognitive or physical realm that starts having a mind. So sprint. Sprint are type one. Type two are now the return. They're the ones. They're not spontaneous because they're typically created by someone in the case of return it's by endowment because endowment is the one bringing them back um but it could just be anyone like the 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 heralds are a special case and other people are special cases so they're type twos and i assume that lifeless are now type three and you know he just added numbers to to all the rest type twos are cognitive shadows he doesn't say this right but they are so that would be the returned that would be the fused that would be the heralds that would be the Kelsier. That would be the shadows on Shadows for Silence World. They and didn't seem very sentient. And that, well, yes. Oh, they're sentient. They're just angry. Uh, probably because it would be God the Zeth. Zeth is a cognitive shadow. Yep, he didn't get Why healed. Did he got his soul stapled back right as he was dying. It's oh, his body. Uh, didn't did Kaladin kill him? Kaladin um, totally. Well, hold on. Def- that. that that is an interesting question because there are two different versions of the ending of that book that have been released. In the first version, Kaladin kills him. In the second version, 
Kaladin leaves and the storm kills him. Okay, but that's when he died and became a cognitive shadow. Right. Correct. And then and then the bit of healing you see right at the end of the book where they give him night blood uh is actually them just attaching his soul to his dead body. And apparently not do. doing a great job cuz he had echoes. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think Nail's very good at this. He didn't quite I'm Not nail very good at nailing people the body together. Soul. Yeah, same joke, brain. Anyway, um yeah, so Zeth is a cognitive shadow, not not a return. But I mean, they're the same thing. Cognitive and shadows and return. I also wonder if um, Inquisitors. I was are thinking the same thing also. because when you were saying, you know, we stapled the soul back to the body, it's like, didn't we literally do that with literal staples? Like that happened. Oh, and when you unplugginate someone, you just it's like pulling the staple out. You guys have Maybe. asked this before, and I think I think you're onto something. I'm. We have never heard directly that they are cognitive shadows so we just don't know at this point luckily there's a new book coming out next like in a few weeks that might have that answer let's hope oh yeah can't wait to read it <clears throat> see you in a year dave that depends anyway. when white sand comes out um the white Chris, sand bus kalanin does mention that uh zahel actually directly answers the questions unlike wit and, you know, he's like, yeah, what's a bit of a jerk? He doesn't use the jerk word. He says something else. But, you know. And what what does he say, Craig? He calls him an asshole. There you go. There it is. It's in the book, so we can say it on the podcast. Hooray! Just, I don't think that's how that worked. But just the once. <laughs> just the... <laughs> oh, man. I actually quoted that. So we're going to hear it in spoiler time, too. Spoilers. Anyway, uh, scroll down. Oh. Zahel answers questions directly in ways that Kaladin can't understand, because that conversation is for us, the readers. That's how Zahel slash Vasher uh, works. Um, how invested was Kelsier when he died? So it's suspected that he was decently invested, uh, which, which, so, okay, this is a refresher for how preservation and allomancy works. They, the the metal is just a key. The investiture comes from preservation. So preservation gives you more investiture like it was doing with Vin, for example, in, in um, throughout the books. So it was basically up to preservation to decide that Kelsier could stick around. And we essentially see that a little bit. Like Kelsier starts pulling himself at the seams. But there is a bit. So it's sort of glossed over like heavily invested entities can stick around as a cognitive shadows. Like, OK, that happens. But there is a bit of a cognitive component because Kelsier, or at least the cognitive entity of Kelsier, wanted to stick around. So he forced himself to stay together long enough until he threw himself into uh, preservation's perpendicularity. And then that made him invest enough that he was able to become a cognitive shadow. Why couldn't he leave the pool? Is it because that's where his... That's where the investiture comes the from. Like he was, yeah. he was tied to that pool. At and that also that the, pool. the pool was sort of reconfigured as a prison so right right yeah so but don't let's not forget that kelsier was burning malatium at the time of death oh it was malatium this whole time yeah oh i think we mentioned it to you before dave god metal alloy but we have been told by word of brandon that atm is actually that the atm we see in the books is an atm electrum blend so it's not pure atm it's an ATM Electrum. That's that's what it does, which is why 
it's the future site thing. I think that's that's the excellent for it. So Malatium is an alloy of Atium and Electrum and gold. So it's Atium and silver and gold and gold. Yep, perfect. Nailed it. You thought this one through perfectly. No notes, Brandon. <laughs> I mean, it's you can have metals that have three different things in it. It just probably has a, a bigger percentage of gold, right? Look, look, I'm not a metallurgist. I don't know. Neither is Brandon. You're also not a linguist. Yeah, that too. All right. Type twos need a breath every week to stay alive. So what does that mean? Well, Cognitive? That's not oh, you... accurate. That is... Well, type... Okay, so return to do. Return to. Correct. Type twos is a much bigger... Um, so, but group. I assume... What I was what I was trying to say is that that's about the level of investiture that they need to feed on. So maybe we maybe like you could use that as a gauge to how much investiture. I mean, what is a what is a measure like a general overall measure of investiture? Like what units do they use? Let's a breath. Yeah, a, a is breath what we is, have. is the best one we've got. But yeah. we don't have any evidence so that how many it, breaths in a Dave. We we don't one. have any evidence that. Any any cognitive shadows besides returned need to feed on investiture in that way. We uh, were told that the fuse that just sit in the pillars they are eating odium's investiture, like odium. I should say odium feeds them, so they are receiving investiture. But but we don't know if the other cognitive shadows need to eat or anything. We know return do. But that's the extent of what we know. I think we have to ask Zeth or Kelsier, and maybe they'll tell us. Did Vasher in this conversation mention that the fused have to eat feast on investiture or something? I don't think I, I wrote don't... this down randomly. I think it's related to something that happened in this conversation. I think you were thinking about type twos and cognitive shadows, and and you're like, hey, I remember returning breath every week, so maybe all type twos need that. I think I assume that was your thought process. I thought there was a line in the book that led me to believe that, but yeah. So well, so Kelsier and Kelsier. Oh my gosh! Oh, I know why. I know why. Okay, I know exactly why. It leads feeds into the next bullet point because Zahel says that because Kaladin says, okay, so how do we kill the fuse? And Zahel says, well, the only way to kill a type two, you, okay, so you can kill a type two just by killing them again, uh, or if they're like already too strong like if they're too cognitive i guess like more too spring like too invested yeah then killing them again won't work so you need to cut them off from so you can kill them by cutting them off from investiture so i think i i thought that meant by default if you starve them they would die but maybe he meant you need to starve them and then kill them yeah because endowment isn't providing any any like ongoing support for her return it's it's a one-time thing just like you died, now you get to be not died, not died. Yes. Yeah, that's specifically endowment doing that, and it's like here's the process that you can do it. Whereas someone like Preservation Sasazid might just be pumping Kelsier with Investiture to keep him alive, or like Odium does with his fused, or or the spike that's invested is more than enough to keep him going, barring you know massive physical trauma. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then you ask, how did Blushweaver die? And Blessweaver was just physically killed. Like, because you can physically kill, I mean, you can physically kill the fused. You can physically kill other return. Like, they can die. But I think your question was, and I, I think you bring up something good, is can Blushweaver come back if she's like, 
you know, the fuse or something. I think the answer to that is no, but that again comes back to how endowment works. I, I think endowment also, should be like, all right, invested, you're done. How invested was Blush Weaver when she died? Like, was she at the threshold where she can be reborn? She has one divine breath. They don't give the other return extra breaths. They get one breath a week. Right, only so Susabrin got that. Right, only Susabron. So uh, she would have her her single divine breath. That's all she would have had. Which is a lot of investiture, but that might not be enough to go over the threshold. Like, that might be exactly enough to come back. And how many Daves in a divine breath? At least one. one I'll, I'll, probably I'll, smaller right than back. a bread box. All right. And so Zahel mentions that type 2 invested entities are basically Spren masquerading as people. And it made me think of Elysian, the pursuit Spren, because he's like, he's so single minded in pursuing vengeance right on on individuals so it seems kind of spren like to me so he's probably pretty invested yeah he's got a direct line to odium as all the fuse do um but what he's talking about there is less of levels of investiture and more of uh issues that happen for old enough uh cognitive shadows uh, which is actually cognitive issues, where they get focused on... Uh, what's what's the phrasing he uses, Craig? Intent. intent. They get focused on intent. Oh, like pursuit, intent. Or like preservation, or ruin. Or harmony, or... Uh, or odium. Or hoid, or adelnausium. So did Adam Nauseam only have 16 intents, or did he just happen to break that way? We don't know, or I don't know. Craig, do you know? Tori, do you know? Dave, do you know? I don't know that. Yeah, I think he only had 16 intents. Well, no, because as we see, uh, ruin and preservation add up to make harmony, so, like... And two he times could've... three is six. No, 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 he could have broken in other ways, and then the intents would have been... Do you see what I'm saying? I... Okay, well, I'm saying that all of the original 16 shards are, like, prime numbers. You can't be broken down any smaller than a prime number, right? So, uh, you can... So, like, 24 has... Let's not pick 24, let's pick... 30. So 30 has three prime factors, 2, 3, and 5. You can break 30 into three prime numbers or intents, 2, 3, and 5, or you can break it down into 10 and 3 or 6 and 5. I think it's like that. Like, I think all of the original 16 shards are all the prime numbers. But, I mean, it, it could also be, like, they're all twos, right? Like, it could be 2 raised to the power of 16, which is 60,000 or something like that, 4,000. I don't know. I'm not a nerd later. I bet Adonalzim would be annoying to go camping with because he has 16 tents. <laughs> Plenty of room for everybody. So yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to call the original 16 shards prime intents. And I'm going to theorize that that's what they are. And if you break something down further than that, then you get irrational numbers. So like, let's say, uh, who's like, Who's that girl that gets smashed up by uh, autonomy? Is it, you know... Ambition? Ambition, was that it? Okay, so Ambition no, got That was shattered, done by right? Odium, not, not autonomy. As autonomy far as we helped. know. Oh. Yeah, well, that's a good question. Uh, we don't actually know how much autonomy has done, if anything. But she probably did it by herself, 
without approval from everyone. All right, so ambition gets shattered. Ambition is two. That's a prime number. Ambition gets shattered into the square root of two. So now she's irrational. <laughs> I think right, I'm on to something here. What else do we have for this chapter? Oh, oh, so, oh, so apparently, apparently, the whole Cosmere mythology is uh, just a really long math word problem. Yep. So essentially, any kind of cognitive entity has an intent, which, especially when it's heavily invested over time, the intent becomes everything. Like that's that's its whole purpose. That is a problem for cognitive shadows like the Fused and the Heralds, but. It's not really, and, and this is the interesting thing, it doesn't appear to be a problem so much with Sprint. So it's specifically these cognitive shadow type entities that suffer from it because the intent sort of overrides anything else. Um, that also applies to all of, the shard holder, all of the shard holders, because technically they are cognitive shadows that are holding the shards now. Oh, and yeah, endowment takes their memories. That's That's the... That's the she. Yeah. Bless we. Which which helps because I don't know. Probably helps. At least that's that's what uh isn't that what Zahel says? Like it might help. But yeah, that's the she. Chapter. All right, nope. Craig. So who do you ship uh Kaladin with? Leshwi. Uh. Yes. Team Kalashwi. I ha- I have annotations to read. May I? Yes, please. You may. All and right. Then I guess Tori 15. takes the last one. I've been waiting for you guys to read this one as it has some of my favorite moments in the first part. From the conversation with Relaine and me finally being able to talk about some of the mechanics that let listeners survive on the Shattered Plains. To, of course, being able to write a fight using Awakening for the first time in a while. I also enjoy writing about Kaladin through the eye of someone like Zahel as it gives me some interesting opportunities. Obviously, I'm pushing, again, the boundaries of what a reader can be expected to remember slash know about the Cosmere to enjoy these books. Not our problem. Um, Aladdin enjoyed the fight, and he didn't know anything about the Cosmere. True that. Uh, continuing, it's my opinion that thinking Zahel can do weird, mysterious stuff I don't understand is all right for those readers who don't have a larger Cosmere experience. In fact, I'm confident that even if Warbreaker hadn't been released, I'd be writing scenes like this in the same way. It's a common trope in fantasy for the powerful figure like Gandalf to do things that seem outside the rules everyone else has to follow. One thing that I like about having the Cosmere to play with as a creator is that it lets me do scenes like this, which both are mysterious, but also fully explained by the greater magic system if you want to dig into it. I will say that Zahel is making an informed guess about Zeth in this chapter. He doesn't know 100%. This is your last relatively Cosmere-aware chapter for the previews, I'm afraid. There are a few more similar to this much later in the book. Uh, previews are up to the end of part one, by the way, Dave. Did that include the in, the first set of interludes? I don't remember. I know we got at least one of those in the previews. I don't. I don't think we got all of them, but I might be mistaken. Uh, we didn't get it in the previews. It was in the uh, newsletter. Ah, yeah, we got a super preview of of one interlude. I remember that. So the preview chapters were originally posted on tour dot com, uh, and it was like one a week, two a week. I don't, I don't remember. Um, but the interlude we got in the email newsletter from Brandon Sanderson's website. Chapter sixteen, indeed. Chapter sixteen. An unknown song. Who's Rushu? Is that the Chandra? Yeah. Okay. 
That's the Chandra from Dawn Shard, That's right? the Chandra. Okay. Uh, the one that the Lopin has a crush on. The, the one of a few that the Lopin has a crush on. The one that the Lopin is, a, is attempting to let her realize she has a crush on him. You know what? <laughs> I was uh, looking over at my cast list from Fire Emblem characters, and I cast Sane from Fire Emblem 7 as the Lopin, and this totally fits in with, with that uh, characterization. Not that anyone else in this podcast knows who that is. I'm Just trust me, it was a good pick. Alright, uh, Hyperviolet. I guess Ultraviolet was copyrighted and Brandon couldn't use it. Oh. Wait, wait. It's copyrighted <laughs> by science? <laughs> yeah, man. You can't just own science. You gotta do file the proper paperwork. Is that why atoms are called axioms here as well? Was it trademarked? Presumably. You can't just, I you think can't... it would just be too weird. Modern science terms in the middle of our fantasy story. You can't just stick a, a space word on top of a car part and expect it to make sense. Now shut up and help me fix this mecha battery. Yeah, snecha battery. Alright, so... Uh, Hyperviolet... Yeah, I don't know, I guess they never they, they never had anybody... Oh, this makes sense. So you know how atoms are named after Adam? Axes are named after Axes. <laughs> Mind blown. I know how atoms are named after comic book character The Atom. Yeah. <laughs> Neat. Okay. Any complaints yet? Alright, uh... <laughs> Alright, Hyperviolet. Okay, so we tried throwing Nightblood in the ocean before, didn't we? That might have just been like a lake, though. I don't know if it was a... I, I think it ocean. was a lake. Yeah. Gotta, you gotta be deeper. Maybe the ocean will work. Deep diver. Okay. Uh, Navani knows that Seth worked for Taravangian. Yeah, when did that happen? Is that, is that one of those things that happened during the last year? Or is that something that happened at the end of Oathbringer and I forgot? At the, at the In Oathbringer, Taravangian admitted that he used Seth to essentially get Yakovet. Like, he was the one who was controlling... Like, he admitted to controlling Zeth. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Marble Madness. Hey, Jelly's Marble Run. <laughs> Do a YouTube search for it. It all came around. Uh, no, 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 Navani. Nightblood isn't evil. He destroys evil. It's a good thing that Navani hates Seth. That's a relief. So, what happened in this scene? Tori? Uh... I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I didn't have my hand raised. That means I didn't right. know. You caught Tori snoozing. She's on, on the desk taking a, a nap. And you're like, what What happened? I, I totally read it. My teachers used to try that on me, but I was just like paying the minimum amount of attention to answer the question if I got called on while playing on my TI-83 plus Silver Edition calculator. I, I was proud of the fact that I slept through every one of them. Like, I didn't sleep through all of my classes so much as I was able to fall asleep in every one of my classes. I never got in trouble for it. I mean, I was a straight-A student. I think I learned by, like, osmosis. I would hear it, and then I would just, my brain would retain it. So the teachers didn't care because I was learning it. But I totally, I was so bad at it. I slept. Okay, well, this is a Navani chapter, and Navani is doing that thing where she's down on herself and says that she's not a good researcher and she just helps other people. Baby, baby, you gotta believe in yourself. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so she talks with uh, Zeth and talks about the void light sphere that um, he got from Gavilar. 
Uh, and he didn't remember to tell her about it until she specifically asked about it. Pulled a total, total stormfather here. <laughs> Such a stormfather, man. <laughs> That's what it's called now. <laughs> anyway, so she's still salty about what he did, even though Gavilar had it coming. Um, so after she talks oh, with like him for a bit. from Chicago. I haven't seen that musical. Um, yeah. There's a song called He Had It Coming. Yeah, sure. Okay, the end. I get it. I call it the uh-uh song because there's this like French inmate that all like she couldn't defend herself in court. All she could say was uh-uh because she was French and she couldn't speak English. Oh, have an attorney apparently. Or anyway, so after she's done uh, being angry at Zeph, she goes off and uh, gives the sphere to one of her one of her sciencey people and it's like hey uh study this and they're like oh my gosh this is an exciting thing we're excited to study it and she's like yep you go do that and i think a little piece of her dies when when that happens um that's not as much of her not thinking she can but not thinking that she can allocate the time to do it well yeah because she'd been meaning to do it but she's so busy doing all of this other stuff like running the tower um and she was finally like nope i'm never gonna get to this and you know delegated it off but yeah i get it it's sad time so she's Um, learning delegation skills from dalinar and she shouldn't be anyway then she hold on is dalinar that bad at delegating yes big to differ gavilar is horrible well no gavilar was amazing at delegating that's because all he did was delegate (laughs) because he delegated everything to dalinar (laughs) <laughs> well, he didn't even he didn't even do that. He just wasn't there. Take care of it. And you let him loose. Like, just don't show up. Someone else will take care of it. And so they did. Man, Cavalar's a jerk. Anyway, yeah, I don't think Dalinar's that bad at delegating. Oh, but he is. He really, really is. He's good at relegating. I feel like Kaladin was pretty bad until they started knocking some sense into him, realizing that he can't do everything. That's part of what's happening in chapter 15. It's like, Zahel's like, you're not their mom, Kaladin. You f- like, you're not, you're, you don't trust them to protect themselves, right? It's like, you can't kick them out of the nest. That's part of Kaladin's problem. Yep. And it is also a problem that Dalinar has, Zahel mentioned. Anyway, right. we get... Anyway, yeah. so after the sciency part, she goes and hangs out with a little grandkid, Baby Gav, and... um. Baby Gav is like, oh, so uh, when do I get to learn to use a sword? We didn't get to those bullet points yet. You oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Right. Next scene. Gavinor is a typical Alethi kid, you know? <laughs> when do I, I get to learn wait. a sword? I, I can't wait to avenge my father. <laughs> uh, oh, it's kind of sad, though. But it's also typical of Alethi. Erythiru right. braces itself for Storm. Dalinar and Tyravangian are walking sort of together-ish. Stoops, loops, Pigman is here. Adolin needs new boots. Mink's kids died in not that war. It's like a Zelda map. All right, finish her up. All right, so yeah, Baby Gav is like, I want to learn to use a sword. And I think it's less of, I'm going to avenge my father, and more of, I'm afraid of everything because of trauma. And I want to learn to protect myself so I feel better. And also um, F. Moash. Also that. 
Um, and Navani sees Dalinar and Teravangian walking together. Uh, they look less friendly than they did before because they're still trying to keep up appearances with the coalition of monarchs being, you know, a united front for the people. But Dalinar's like, yeah, I don't trust this old man anymore. Uh, understandably. Um, and then uh, the mink shows up. Uh, Adolin and Shalon have brought the mink and... Uh, Shalon is like obsessed with the mink, like wants to learn everything about how he does, like how do you escape and like how do you do the things. And, yeah, and I thought that was funny. Um, um, point of order: This is from Navani's POV. This is totally Vale. Oh sure, uh, she, mm-hmm. she has red hair. That doesn't. Well, she tries yeah, to keep the, it. The hair doesn't have to change. Yeah, the hair doesn't have to change, and she's she's kept their hair color the same despite being a different persona. But she would love having a talk with Wayne as well. If oh, she thinks that if she th- <laughs> if she thinks the mink is good, Wayne is like expert class. Yeah, and there's this. Uh, oh, you remind me of my children. Oh, I didn't know you had children. Yeah, they dead from the mink. Um, just kind of one of those like the the room got really quiet sort of moments. And he's like, anyway, we're here to look at some maps. Where are the maps? And Dalinar's like. We're the map. Yeah, because uh, if you recall, Dalinar says, yeah, that war, those fuse sure are killing a lot of people. I'm sorry for your loss, but it wasn't that war. Oh, those Alethi sure are killing a lot of people. Sorry about that. Yeah, so it's like a Zelda map because, you know, you pick up a map, but then if you push start, it's all like glowing and projected on the wall, presumably. Just like Did Breath you... of Ages. Yeah, did you talk about the, uh, you talked a little bit about the Hyperviolet gem? The Void Light gem? It's it's not quite Void Light. What do you think it is? It's giving off Void Light. Well, I know what Craig and I and Tori think it is. What do you think it is, Dave? Uh, definitely, oh, I can't remember. Who's that guy? Uh, who's that guy that spiked What's-His-Face's wife? Uh... Trell? Trell? I guess it's Trell. It's Trell light. It's almost certainly not that. It's a good guess, though. Yeah, it's almost certainly a good guess. Craig, Dave should have enough pieces to have put this together himself, so put him out of his misery. Just tell him? Okay. Uh, So it's not... Is it uh, Void Light? It's an unmade. Uh, Well, time to drop it in the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) <laughs> just put it with the rest of them. <laughs> just make a pile. It's, just, it's like, are the unmade like Dragon Balls now? I guess so. I like the Dragon you, you Balls. Just, you just made me think. At work, every time we get junk mail and my employees hand it to me, they're like, hey, you got this in the mail. And I'm like, file it in the important file. And it goes directly in the trash. We'll just yeah. put this over here with the rest of the fire. All right. So which unmade is it? Uh, we're pretty sure it's Ba'edo Mishram. Oh, that's the light one. That's His name has light in it. Or it son of in it. Yeah, it has that. It has the Edo word, which is either son of or light. I forget which. Light that is the son of other light, but a different light. This kind of light is like on a rock, but not that kind of rock, a different rock. And there's a song. Uh, to, just to help, though, Ba'edo Mishram is considered female. I. It doesn't really matter much in terms of the unmade and sprint but 
that's just a manifestation and we don't know if it means anything yet and what type of cognitive entity are chondra they're not they're physical people but they're blob yeah so they're like elendi's friends we're weird monkey things that doesn't change anything we're Rayshek's friends actually we're apes apes sorry thank you that's what they say so there's so they're just like physical beings they were transformed after uh Rayshek ascended right and i guess they're just yeah they're just like physical beings that have investiture spiked into them but they're which, pretty old which gives them minds but if the bodies that were built for them were intended to be immortal like from the get-go then i don't see an issue I got some that are, what do they make a generation every hundred years or something? Or when the Lord Ruler was around, was, yes. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know what the deal is now that Sazed's around. Just that they're, they are Sazed's spies, basically. Uh, we know that he's not making more and they have to keep around the ones they've got. Well, okay. Lord Ruler's dead. Remember when he went to the cognitive room? He's like, this is your problem now, sucker. See you later. Well, I'm going to the beyond. Sazed knows how to fix it. Like, it's not like he lacks the knowledge. It's that he doesn't want to. I mean, didn't they specifically say in Shadows of Self that he's not making more? Yes. I, th I thought that's what we, we heard. He can change his mind, though. But he really can't because of things we've already discussed this. Well, his mind is being changed. You have to remember, he also is is a composite intent. He has ruin and preservation. So maybe... Well, but you need hemallergic spikes to make new chondra, and he is not a fan. Uh, that's true. And he probably doesn't want to steal them from the Coloss either. He likes... You know, he doesn't want to take that away from them. I could see Sazed not wanting to make Chandra, but once the, the Harmony intent takes over, will that still be the case? Oh, hold on, because he did make it where that the Koloss don't need the spikes anymore, that now they're actually a race of people and they can breed. And um, Why didn't he do that for Chandra? Didn't the Koloss have spikes still? Wasn't that the whole point of Elementor Yak? Yeah, to make full Chandra. Or not Chandra, Koloss. Kelsier, Koloss, Kaladin, Chandra. Kind of like you could be converted to Coloss, but you didn't need it. I don't know. I actually don't know. And technically, the Chandra are an artificial race. It's the mist rays that they can breed. They could already breed. Wait, but is that true? Uh, I was under the impression that he turned, that uh, the Lord Ruler, Rayshek, turned all of the Ferukimus into Right, so it's an artificial race. I, but I, I didn't think mist rays existed until... He turned all the Farukas into them. They didn't, right, but that's the Chandra correct. are. But then they became like a, a species and and survived. And okay. Yes. Well, if they don't reproduce, then they're going to have to poop eventually. Also, yes, that's but it's then, definitely one or the other. It's then it's... they'd just be Kirby's who poop, and that's just Kirby's. <laughs> all right, I think that means we're done with Dave and need to go to spoiler time. Yeah, yeah there's another annotation up. needs to happen. Oh, we gotta do that. Okay. Chapter 16. Seems like a good place to talk about my philosophy on how I choose viewpoint characters for these books. I've been getting DMs saying, why no Dalinar viewpoint? Or, why no Adolan viewpoints? And I can understand frustration there. 
When I started this series, however, I dug into the multi-book epic fantasy stories I'd enjoyed in the past, as well as the more popular examples, and tried to really nail down the pitfalls of the format. A main one felt to me to be character sprawl. These series tend to end up with so many interesting characters that the author, in turns, ends up having entire sequences and even books that don't move the storyline forward, but instead investigate new storylines. While I do appreciate some of that, I wanted to do what I could to mitigate that, which meant limiting my viewpoints, even among main characters. This helps prevent sprawl, at least for me, because when I'm in someone's head, I naturally begin working on subplots and character arcs for them. In this case, I needed to keep my focus and limit myself, to not try to do full sequences for every character in every part of every book. While I know some of you would have enjoyed that, I would really rather finish this series before I'm 100 and feel that the books need to be as focused as is reasonable for their length. That's why, when I outline, I look at all the characters that could have a viewpoint in a given section, then narrow my scope to a few of them. Dalinar most certainly could have had viewpoints in part one of this book, but I decided it was Navani's perspective that made the most sense for this story. So while you get to see a healthy dose of Dalinar, we don't have his viewpoints. Those will come later in the book, in a part where it makes sense to have his perspective on things. I need to look for the characters that are adding the most to a given sequence. That usually means the ones who are changing the most, learning the most, or who have the most tension in their sequence. I do feel bad for this somewhat cutthroat use of viewpoints at times, but I believe it is the right decision. It's either this or watch the series balloon to many more books while at the same time slowing the narrative down to the point that books pass and you wonder what was actually accomplished in them. Only three more chapters left in these previews before you get the entire book. Also, apologies for those who found this annotation repetitive from things I've said before. It's difficult to judge sometimes what is new information to the majority of readers and what is becoming well-worn, so to speak. It's interesting. So it sounds like he actually writes. I know he's an outliner, so he outlines you know, the general direction of the story and individual parts of it. But... What's interesting that he will also design a scene and then he'll decide whose viewpoint he should use for that scene. It's interesting. Like Arrested Development, but they have yeah. a lot of different cameras. Exactly. Like they shoot the scene and then decide on the camera angles. Isn't that how they did it? Like they set at multiple camera angles and did the scene in one take? I don't know. You're the, you're, you're the expert on that one. Mike knows about Arrested Development. I don't know that about Arrested Development. Uh, it, it does sound like the television equivalent of what Brandon is saying, though. Uh, so for myself, um, I, I write sometimes, very amateur writer. And there there have been occasions where it's like, oh, my gosh, what is wrong with this chapter? Why can I not make it go where I want it to go? And my friend Sarah, who also is a writer, will tell me, oh, just change the viewpoint character. And so you do that. And suddenly the chapter will go. And it's like, oh, I I was just trying to do it from the wrong perspective this whole time. And it's it's really amazing and magical how something so small will fix a giant problem. We're talking like writer's block for days. Like, ugh, why can't I not make this work? And then you change viewpoints and like, oh, well, now I'm three chapters ahead. So does it tend to work best to go with the character who is most invested in what's going on or the character who has like their own stuff going on and then there's things happening in the background? We get a mix of both in Sanderson's case. Yeah, I think it really depends on the, the chapter and what's happening. I do think there was something specific when he was releasing these previews 
about, hey, where's the Dalinar? And I think the problem was that Dalinar was the bulk of the last book. So we had like a Dalinar overload and people want their Dalinar. So it's sort of like we went from that to no Dalinar perspective so far. Why are all the Sylphrenid perspectives? That's what I want to know. Where indeed. No, we're still getting Dalinar. We're just not getting him from his point of view. And I kind of like seeing Dalinar from Navani's point of view. Like in that chapter where she calls him a chull among sky eels. But she loves that chull. That was so cute to me. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad. I also like that we're getting different perspectives and I don't mind. All right. This episode's been going on for a real long time. Let's Let's get rid of Dave. Let's do some Soilers. Let's finish up. Let's all go home. All right, real quick before I go, uh, this past week was Craig's anniversary. Happy anniversary, Craig. Happy oh, anniversary, Craig. I did it. I had uh, no idea. Have well, a great time now. Number 12. Bye, guys. Bye, Dave. Wait, I'm not leaving. Bye, Dave. <laughs> Bye, guys. And Craig. Bye, Dave. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. So, 12 would be aluminum? I think it's aluminum. Ah, oh, man, I don't know the the materials. My my wife and I tried to follow it in the very beginning, um, uh, mostly her, and she did really good job. The first one, which is paper, she got me a signed picture of the Star Trek Next Generation crew, which is hanging right above my head as I speak. So I remember that one because she somehow figured out how to do paper and do something really good with it. Okay, I was guessing based on um, Mistborn Metals, but it's actually silk. Oh, is it really? Well, we didn't do that. I got her a mug. Uh, we we went we went light on gifts because you know we got a kid now, so that's just how we roll. Well, a mug made out of silk wouldn't be very effective, Craig. That's a bad gift. <laughs> it's it's made out of ceramic, not silk. It's um for those of you who know, it's from Kate Beaton. It's a small, fat, and mighty mug, which has the pony that is small, fat, and mighty. Uh, oh it's like yay! It's it's like her favorite pony, and she's like, I wish I had this as a bug. And I'm like, hey, I got you. All right, let's do spoiler stuff. I would really like to be in a different room for a while. Okay. So is, what is are we that... doing for spoiler stuff? Uh, I'll take it easy on you, Mike. I do have a lot of things highlighted, um, but I don't I don't really need to talk about it too much. I could just do general. Yeah, um, where where are those Sylphrina viewpoint chapters, y'all? In like seven chapters, I think. It's, it's, it's this interlude, isn't it? Yeah, we're we're like three weeks away or something. Oh, man, he's going to be so excited for that. So I think the interesting thing, and you sort of pointed this out, uh, Tori, is that the whole thing is that we hear a lot from Navani's perspective about how she's not a scholar and she puts herself down. I think this this is setting up her arc. She's going to learn from Rabinel, like their interactions and everything, which are like the big focus of this this book. It's going to sort of teach Navani that she can research and study and do stuff like this is sort of what she's going to learn in her interactions with Rabinel. It's going to it's, it's going to be interesting. I, we, I like that a lot of our main characters are getting like equivalents on the on the fused end. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool thing. And it might lead to a team up. What if there's a team up, you guys? Well, Ooh. 
we know Rabidel won't be part of that. He's going to be dead. And Moash is so. So are you talking about team? So like Moash is Kaladin's foil, but, but Leshmi but his, is his Kaladin's counterpart, counterpart. Is Leshmi. Yes. Okay. I I feel like there's some potential there because the Leshwi and the other Heavenly Ones join up with the listeners. Like that's that's where we ended it. So I mean, I don't know how much it's going to take. Keep in mind, don't we get like ten days in the next book? Like the next book is the next 10 days after the end of this book. We don't know that that's yes. the whole book. Well, that's when the contest is going to be. I don't know. We don't know when the contest is. It might not be the end of the book. It might just be the end of part one for all we know. What if Vargodium decides to throw? Like, what if he's still on Team Humans? And he's like, yep. No. At, at the end of it, you could tell he's up to something. He, he saw... And got information about the whole wide Cosmere. And he's like, I'm going to do everything. There's no way he's going to stay in the Rosharian system. Heck no. He wants out. Um, yeah, so so I, I think that's neat. And of course, we got a lot of Cosmere related information from Vasher, most of which Dave is privy to. So that's fine. And we talked about the Bay Eight of Mishram Jewel, which I think... I think we even commented about it when we were first reading the previews because she passed it over to her research to say, hey, research this. And we're like, oh, God, no, that's Bay Ada Mistrum. Don't just go do that. But I don't know. There's there's definitely more there. And maybe they do need to release Bay Ada Mistrum. Mish- that one specifically because it it did something. We are severely lacking information related to the recreants and everything around it. That I really want to know. I wouldn't mind getting like a novella or short story or something from Malishi's point of view. Yeah. Oh man, that would actually help a lot. I don't think yeah, we're gonna get that. Speaking of character sprawl. <laughs> oh, I wanted to bring this up with Dave here. He he definitely repeated this a lot in the annotations that he was he's trying to be careful about character sprawl. You know, he we said goodbye to Rock. He's cutting back some of the viewpoints. Because he has seen what other books can do when you just have way too many characters. Uh, he, he is trying to keep it contained, and I think that's respectable. We might not always like the choices that uh, of the characters he wants to keep around and, and those he gets rid of in some way, but this is the story. Epic fantasy with little sprawl. So I don't really have anything spoilers because I said all my stuff during the actual chapters. Mm-hmm. I did too. Yeah, I think that's the difference now. We're going to be able to say more and more with Dave, so that's pretty cool. So are we done? I think sure. we're dead. Yay, we did an episode. Bye, everybody. We did it. Good night, Bye. Internet. Bye, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.